0: Well, again, welcome to all. Welcome to our good crowd that's gathered here in our auditorium this morning. Also, welcome to all of those who are attending with us and worshiping with us online. I know that includes our Tucker and Elizabeth. And so our hearts and prayers are with you. We are missing you being with us today and look forward to you recovering well and being back with us and so many others uh, that are worshiping with us online because of health concerns. And uh, our hearts go out to you as well. Uh, we have so many wonderful things to be thankful for. What a, what a great blessing to hear Kelly Monahan's announcement earlier and to know that uh, this Saturday night our widows are going to be going on a date, and so are some of our young men. And I'm, I'm just really excited to hear uh, about who's driving <laughs> on those. But um, I, I'm, I'm great with it. I love it. What a great, great thing. And what a wonderful night. An experience that will be uh, for all. I appreciate all who are participating uh, in that. And our wonderful kids up here as they sang that great song, My God is So Big. um, We're speaking about that wonderful, great, big, creator God today. Ken Culpepper shared during our shepherd's prayer time from my favorite chapter in the Bible, Romans chapter 8. And it just reminds us that our God is so big and that there's nothing that he cannot do and that everything that we go through and everything that happens in this world and in this life, in our homes, in our families, in our church, everything um, he is able to handle. And there's nothing that our great and powerful, big creator God cannot do. And so we're continuing through Isaiah 40 this morning, as we've done throughout this month, with this statement is how we begin. As the powerful creator, our God is sovereign over all of creation. Isaiah 40 is a great chapter that affirms that great truth. As the powerful creator, our God is sovereign over all of creation, and there are two main aspects to what we're talking about today, and they're both mentioned in that statement that our God is the creator. He has made everything, and so everything is His the mountains, the valleys, the trees, all are His handiwork. All are His, including ourselves. All of humanity is His because He created all of humanity in His very image. And so as the powerful creator, our God is sovereign. Our God is sovereign. That means he is the ruler of rulers, the king of kings, the Lord of lords. There is no one and nothing in this world that is not subject to God. They may recognize it, they may not. They may acknowledge him, they may not. But as the powerful creator, our God is sovereign over all of creation. Isaiah 40 affirms the enduring word of God and the incomparable nature of our God. That's what we've seen in the first two lessons this month from Isaiah 40. Next week, we finish this series, Strength for the Weary, Isaiah 40. And hear how our God constantly renews us, empowering us to soar on wings like eagles. And yes, we finally get to that statement from Isaiah 40 next Sunday. Today, we acknowledge that God alone is sovereign over all. Because God alone is the maker of everything. And so first of all today, from Isaiah 40, verses 21 through 24, our God is the ruler of rulers. If you were filling things out ahead of me and you put king of kings there or lord of lords, that's okay. You still get credit. Our God is the ruler of rulers. From Isaiah chapter 40, beginning in verse 21. Do you not know? Have you not heard? Has it not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood since the earth was founded? He sits enthroned above the circle of the earth, and its people are like grasshoppers. He stretches out the heavens like a canopy. He spreads them out like a tent to live in. He brings princes to naught and reduces the rulers of this world to nothing. No sooner are they planted, no sooner are they sown. No sooner do they take root in the ground. Then he blows on them, and they wither, and a whirlwind sweeps them away like chaff. Do you not know, have you not heard (laughs) the rhetorical questions that begin this passage? Isaiah uses those questions a couple of times in Isaiah chapter 40. And it's just a reminder to us of what we already know, and what should never completely leave our consciousness. Do you not know? Have you not heard? Have you not been told this from the beginning? Have you not understood since the earth was founded that our God is sovereign? He is the ruler of rulers. He sits enthroned above it all, Isaiah says. He sits enthroned above the circle of the earth, and its people are like grasshoppers. And in our day, unlike Isaiah's day in the 8th century BC, we've been up high. We've flown before. Many of us have. And you look as you're flying up, and and you begin to see that all those people down there are beginning to look just like grasshoppers until you can't see them anymore at all. And yet, however high we go, 1,000 feet, 30,000 feet, astronauts who have flown into outer space, it can't begin to compare with God's view. As creator, he sees it all. And he sees it from far above all of creation. He is the maker, he is the creator, and he is the ruler of rulers. And so verse 23 and 24, he brings princes to naught and reduces the rulers of this world to nothing. No sooner are they planted, no sooner are they sown, no sooner do they take root in the ground, than he blows on them and they wither, and a whirlwind sweeps them away like chaff. Isaiah acknowledges that there is one sovereign over all of the rulers of mankind on this earth at this moment, and that that's always been the case. That's always been the truth. Earthly rulers come and go. Earthly kingdoms, earthly nations come and go. But our God and the Word of God endures forever. He is always there, he has always been there, and he always will be there. And you can't say that about earthly rulers. Even in our own democratic republic in the United States of America, we see rulers come and rulers go. Some we like, some we don't like. And no matter how long those earthly rulers last, they won't last forever And they only last as long as God allows them to last. They're only in power as long as God is okay with them being in power. Because our God is the ruler of rulers. And so there comes a time when he brings the earthly rulers to naught. When he brings earthly kingdoms and earthly nations to no longer exist. They're planted, they're sown, they take root in the ground, and then he blows on them, and they wither, and they die. Why? Because they're not meant to last forever. They're here for a while, and then they're gone. And God has a purpose for them, nations and rulers, while they exist. But he never intends them to exist forever. And we acknowledge that our God is the ruler of rulers. What a mighty God we serve. Tom Clark's favorite song. What a mighty God we serve. Our God is the ruler of rulers. This came uh, to mind for Isaiah in a very real way at the very beginning of his ministry. He records it in Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah chapter six, and it begins with this, in the year that King Isaiah died. Isaiah living in Jerusalem, Isaiah being very much aware of the things that go on in the temple, the things that go on in the royal palace, all of those things. And then his king dies. And just like anyone who goes through a transition of power in their nation, I'm sure it brought about a great feeling of insecurity and question. What's the next ruler going to be like? What's the next king going to be like? How is this going to go? Isaiah 6, in the year that King Isaiah died, I saw the Lord... High and exalted, seated on the throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim or angels, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying. And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the King. No, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth, not just Israel, the whole earth is filled. With his glory, at the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried, I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, which to Isaiah's people meant, I'm a leper. I live among lepers, and I have seen the Lord. We can just imagine what it would be like to actually get to see or meet the President of the United States or some other high official. And Isaiah, living in Jerusalem, understood that. <laughs> but now, in the year that King Isaiah died, I saw the Lord, the great I Am, the Almighty God. He was the one who was seated on the throne. It was not King Uzziah or any other king that would come after him. But it was the Lord. And I saw him and I saw the angelic beings all around him ready to go at a moment's notice at the bidding of his will. And then I realized I I am a dead man. I'm a leper. I live in a nation of lepers. And here I am in the presence of... Of the Almighty God, the Lord sitting on the throne. And yet he was healed and yet he was forgiven. And then he was given a charge, a call, a mission. Who will go for us? Who can we send? And the only right response to acknowledging the sovereignty and the greatness of the God of gods, the ruler of rulers, is repentance and worship and mission. Here am I, Isaiah says, send me. As Chad says, in some of our adult classes, we've been talking about love, especially today from 1 Corinthians 13, and it's a very active love. It's a love that does stuff. It's a love that doesn't sit on its hand, but but it's a love that treats others with kindness and respect and in selflessness seeks to help seek seeks to forgive. Isaiah says, here am I, send me. Why? Because he had a picture and a vision of the one true and living God on the throne. And when we have that vision, when we realize that it is God who is the sovereign, it is God who is the ruler of rulers, it is God who is our ultimate king, we respond in the same way with repentance, with worship, with mission. In Deuteronomy chapter 10, in Moses' day, it records in verse 17, the Lord your God is God of gods, and Lord of lords, the great God, mighty and awesome. If you're following along with our daily Bible reading, then you know that that's right where we are right now. We're with Moses and Aaron standing before Pharaoh, challenging him, "Let my people go." Pharaoh, the most powerful sovereign in the world, was about to get a lesson in how little power and authority he actually had. When you compare him with the ruler of rulers, As we go through those verses, we see time and time again God telling Moses, I'm doing this so that you will know that I am God. I'm doing this so that Pharaoh and all of Egypt will know that I am God. I'm doing this so that everyone in the world I created will know I am God. In Paul's day in First Timothy 6, he writes this in verse 15, God, the blessed and only ruler, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone is immortal and who lives in unapproachable light, whom no one has seen or can see, to him be honor and might forever. Amen. The blessed and only ruler, the King of kings and Lord of lords. And then two statements in that wonderful, amazing, apocalyptic vision of John in Revelation. First in chapter 17, verse 14, talking about all the enemies of Jesus, all of the ones who are on the earthly thrones. Revelation 17, verse 14, They will wage war against the Lamb, but the Lamb will triumph over them, because He is Lord of lords and King of kings. And then in one of the final parts of the vision in chapter 19, coming out of his mouth is a sharp sword with which to strike the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter, quoting from Psalm 2. He treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh, he has this name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. What a mighty God we serve. The ruler of rulers, the king of kings, the Lord of lords. And yet, he gave his life for us. In spite of how great and sovereign and ultimate he is, just as Chad shared, he gave everything for us. We serve the same God that Moses served. We serve the same God that Isaiah saw and served. We serve the same God that was there in Paul's day as he wrote about the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. We serve that same Lamb, looking as if he had been slain and resurrected now to the ultimate throne, the throne on high, the right hand of the Father. And that same God is God in our day as well. All hail the power of Jesus' name. Let even angels prostrate fall. Bring forth the royal diadem and crown him Lord of all. Our God is the ruler of rulers. And secondly today, our God is the powerful creator Why is he the ruler of rulers? Because he made us. He made the strongest and most powerful individuals, rulers, kings, presidents that have ever lived, ever. In Isaiah chapter 40, reading verses 25 and 26. To whom will you compare me? Or who is my equal, says the Holy One? Lift up your eyes and look to the heavens. Who created all these? He who brings out the starry host one by one and calls forth each of them by name. Because of his great power and mighty strength, not one of them is missing. Can you imagine knowing the names of all the stars? We don't even know all the stars that exist yet. And never will, I think. Much less knowing all their names, and yet our God made them. He knows them. He made each of us and he knows us. To whom will you compare me? The incomparable God, as we've already seen. There is no equal to the ruler of rulers. Lift up your eyes and take a look at the heavens, God says. And you get a picture. A small window into the greatness of our God. Isaiah in chapter 29, as he tried to convince the people of his day that this God is the ruler of rulers, this God is the creator, this God made us like a potter shapes clay and makes something out of it. He is the God that we should serve. He is the God that we should obey. In Isaiah 29, beginning in verse 13, the Lord says, These people come near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship of me is based on merely human rules they have been taught. Therefore, once more, I will astound these people with wonder upon wonder. The wisdom of the wise will perish. The intelligence of the intelligent will vanish. Why? Because it can't hold a candle to the wisdom and intelligence and power of our great God. Verse 15, woe to those who go to great depths to hide their plans from the Lord, who do their work in darkness and think, who sees us? Who will know? God sees. God knows. And that's why James will write centuries later in James 4, let your plans be with this caveat, if it is the Lord's will. Verse 16, you turn things upside down as if the potter were thought to be like the clay. Shall what is formed say to the one who formed it, you did not make me? Can the pot say to the potter, you know nothing? Isaiah says our God made us. And therefore he has commanded us and called us to live a certain way. A life of confidence, a life of faith, a life of trust, a life of service, a life of love. A life of devotion to the word and will of God. Everything else is just lip service, Isaiah says in chapter 29. And it's the term that Jesus would use in Matthew 15 to describe the Jewish leadership of his day. Oh, they say the right things, but their hearts are far from me. It's words, that's all. Words. And that's not enough. That's not enough for the ruler of rulers, for the king of kings, for the lord of lords, for the powerful creator. In Psalm 148, that great psalm that we get a, several of our praise hymns from. Hallelujah, praise Jehovah in the King James Version. Praise the Lord, ye heavens adore him in the NIV. Calling on all of creation... All in heaven, all on earth, ultimately mankind themselves, to worship and praise the Creator. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for at His command they were created. A psalm attributed to Moses in Psalm 90, Lord, You have been our dwelling place throughout all generations. Before the mountains were born, or You brought forth the whole world from everlasting to everlasting, You are God. In Psalm 8, David is, finds it incredible that as little as we are and as vast and great as God is, yet he has allowed us to be in charge of everything here on earth. And the writer of Hebrews takes that and applies it to Jesus Christ, but in a completely different way when he says, as great as God is, as little as humanity is, yet God became human made himself even lower than the angels, emptied himself, Paul's words in that great second chapter of Philippians. We know that our God is the powerful creator. Genesis 1 and 2, in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. John 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word was active in creation, and then the Word became flesh. And lived for a while among us. Colossians 1 praises Jesus as the Creator. John 1 does the same. That should change everything about us that there is a Creator. That our God is that powerful Creator. And because of that, He is the ruler. Of rulers, And so the belief that our God is the king of kings and the creator of all changes everything. It changes everything. This belief that our God is the king of kings and the creator changes everything. Now I, I realize I don't call my own shots. I look to the one who made me and will follow him and his will in all. I will acknowledge that I am the clay pot, that he alone is the potter. And so therefore he has made me and he has called me to live to his glory and according to his will. The belief that our God is the king of kings and the creator of all changes. Everything. Everything. And it gives us, first of all, direction and purpose. It gives us direction and purpose. Why? Because the clay pot looks to the potter and asks, how am I supposed to live? It gives us direction and it gives us purpose. It gives us a mission. Our purpose is no longer to get what I can get and to make sure everything is possible, can go my way and can be like I want. That's no longer our purpose, our purpose and our mission is to love and to serve. Just as he came to love and to serve and to save. It's that same message that we take. Here am I, send me. When we see God on the throne, when we acknowledge and recognize that our God is ruler of rulers, that he is the powerful creator, we won't have any trouble volunteering for whatever task that great creator God has for us. The belief that our God is the king of kings and the creator of all changes everything. It gives us direction and purpose, but it also gives us assurance and peace. And we can find that nowhere else today. And mankind has never been able to find that anywhere else. This is not the first generation that has uh, folded our hands and wondered how we're going to survive and will we ever get through this. Every generation has thought that at one time or another. And they've sought to find that assurance and peace and something man-made and it would never happen. That can only come from our great God who is the King of kings, the ruler of rulers, the Lord of lords, and the creator of all. And that gives us assurance and peace. All hail the power of Jesus' name. What a mighty God we serve to God be the glory. This morning, if you need help in your relationship with that great creator God, the ruler of rulers, come as we stand and sing our song together.